Welcome to worship at Providence Presbyterian Church on this Sunday, August 9, 2020. We are located at 2401 Broad Avenue. We ask you to please wear a face covering and maintain social distancing while here at worship. For those of you who do not feel comfortable attending church yet, or have underlying health conditions, we would like to remind you that our podcasts will still be available on the website, www.providencepc-altoona.org. If you do not have internet or computer availability, you can listen to the podcast via telephone at one. 1- Eight five seven three eight five seven five two one. Please note that long distance phone rates apply. Instead of the ushers passing the collection plates during the service, there are two collection boxes located on the registers in the back of the sanctuary to place your offering. If you prefer, you may mail your offering to the church office. We thank those of you who are financially able to support the church at this time. It truly is a blessing in enabling us to keep current in paying church expenses. Anyone who has any kind of need, groceries, financial help, or otherwise, please contact the church office and we will see what we can do to help meet your needs. Now, Let us prepare our hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude.
and also with you. Let us worship God. Let us pray. O God, you are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, glorious in holiness, full of love and compassion, abundant in grace and truth. Your works everywhere praise you, and your glory is revealed in Jesus Christ our Savior. Therefore we praise you, blessed and holy Trinity, one God forever and ever. Amen. Now let us join together in unison in the prayer of confession. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been, help us amend what we are, and direct what we shall be to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Now hear these words of assurance. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of John, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 26. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well was very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Here ends our reading from God's word, and may he bless it to our hearts and our lives. Amen. 
Well, today we turn to the third in our series of four sermons on the four great truths, or what is known as the four G's. The first week we looked at God is great, so we don't have to be in control. God is glorious the second week, so we don't have to have, have to have fear others. Today we look at the third of these four truths. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. For me, and I think for a lot of people, this truth, God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere, is perhaps in some ways the hardest of these truths to grasp at a functional level. Yes, we know that God is good. It says that when God made the creation, at the end of each day, it says he looked and saw that it was good. And on the sixth day, when he created the animals, and finally he created mankind, humankind, male and female, it says God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. God is a good God who has made a good creation. So whenever we see a sunrise or a sunset and think how beautiful it is, it's reminding us of the goodness of God. Whenever we see the stars at night, we see another example of the goodness of God. When we look in the face of a baby, when we marvel at the complexity of a human body, when we enjoy a landscape, these all remind us of God's goodness. Everything good comes from him, and he always does what is good. In fact, we are reminded of that in Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11, where it's written, Jesus speaking here, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? They ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? But above and beyond that, James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or cast a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we out of his whole creation became his pride's possession. So we see God is a good God, and he gives us good gifts. You know, when God created men and women, even before the fall in the garden, we had needs. We had need of air to breathe, we had need of water to drink. We have need of food to eat, to sustain our bodies. We had need of companionship and relationship. God said it is not good for a man to be alone. So God created good gifts to give us, which should be a reminder to us that God gives us good gifts. 
But those gifts are not the final thing that God gives us. These gifts are temporary. For example, I mean, yes, we breathe all the time as long as we're here where there's air to breathe, but you know, you drink a glass of water and a little later you're thirsty again. You eat a good meal and you say, oh, that was good. I'm, my stomach is full, but a few hours later we need to drink again or eat again. And in other things, everything we receive, these good gifts from God's hands, and they are good, but they're not ultimately satisfying. We become thirsty and hungry and everything again and again. That's to remind us that these good gifts that God gives us are not the ultimate thing that God gives us. The ultimate things God gives us is he himself. In the book of Psalms, in the 42nd Psalm, David writes, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Back in those days, the presence of God was limited to the temple, the Holy of Holies, and so you know, you wanted to get as close to the Holy of Holies as you can get, but there were times when you were far away, particularly uh, when the children of Israel were in exile. And so they longed to be back in Jerusalem. They longed to be at the temple. They said they thirst for, you know, this is not a physical thirst. This is a spiritual thirst for God that they long to be near God. That's what we pick up on in our scripture reading this morning. John chapter 4, the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Says that Jesus traveled to Sychar, a town in Samaria. That's because God, that Jesus chose to do so. Most Jews would have gone around Samaritan territory. They wouldn't have gone through a Samaritan village because the hostility between Jews and Samaritans was so great. But Jesus had need to go through Samaria because he knew he had an appointment with this woman. Even though she didn't know there was the appointment, Jesus knew that he was to have an appointment with a woman at the well of Sychar on this day. And so he's sitting there He's weary from the long travel. The disciples have left him and they've gone into the, you know, the, the well was outside the town. Villagers would travel out to the well to receive water and it was a deep well. It was a long way down. This well still exists today and it's over a hundred feet to get down to where the water is, at least today. Might have been some, somewhat less back in Jesus' day, but it was apparently still a long way down. He needed a rope and he needed a bucket to draw the water out. So it's noontime, the hottest part of the day. Jesus is sitting there and here comes this woman. And as soon as we see a woman coming by herself at noonday, we should know that something is not right here because you would not go to draw water. You would not be about at, during the hottest part of the day. And the women came early in the morning or late in the evening to draw the water, and they came in groups so that they could have companionship 
and talk with each other when the men went around. So we know that this woman was an outcast socially. She was ostracized by the other women of the village, and that's because she had been married five times, and now she's got she's with a man a sixth time. So she comes to the well, and I'm sure she's surprised to see Jesus there because there was a difference in the way Samaritans and Jews dressed so she could tell right away he was Jewish. So she was sort of slow and hesitant, drawing near the well for fear of what this Jew would say to her. Jesus took the initiative and said, he spoke up, he said, would you give me a drink? She responded, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. We don't have dealings with each other. Why in the world are you asking me for a drink of water? Jesus responded to, woman, if you knew who it was that was talking with you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, immediately she's intrigued, confused, but intrigued. She's thinking Jesus was talking about physical water, the kind of water she was coming to the well to drink. And so she said, sir, you know, it's a long way down this well to the water. You don't have a rope and you don't have a bucket. How are you going to get this water? And, and she had an inkling something more than just water was going on here. She says, and you say that the water you're going to give me is better than the water that Jacob and his sons and his cattle drank? Are you better than Jacob who gave us this? Jesus responds, Anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. She still was confused. She thought Jesus was talking about physical water. And they go on and have a conversation about her situation, the fact that she was living with this man not married after five marriages. She owned up to the truth. And, and finally she says, Sir, we know when the Messiah comes, uh, we'll know who he is. And uh, Jesus says, I am he. I am the Messiah. So she leaves her bucket and runs back to the village to tell Jesus, to tell them about Jesus. Jesus is talking here not about physical water. He's talking about the spiritual water of life that the psalmist talks about. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God. Jesus was offering us God. And he wasn't just offering us a God that we could go to in a temple. Rather, Jesus is saying that God, through himself, through his son Jesus, comes to us and takes up residence within us so that we become a temple of God and we have now a spring within us that satisfies us, that we don't have to look anywhere else for true contentment, true satisfaction in our lives. And he not only said that to the Samaritan woman, 
but he said it to the Jews. It says that he one day he fed the five thousand, and then during the night, you know, he sent off the disciples in the boat. During the night, they were out in the water with a storm. He walked out to them. They ended up being on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Meanwhile, all the people are back on the other side where he'd fed them. And where is he? Where is he? So they got some of them got in their boat and went back over to the other side, to the Jewish side. And they found Jesus. And they said, well, how'd you get to be here? And he said, well, you're looking for me because I gave you food. They go on in conversation. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In other words, Jesus is speaking of himself. He's not only the water of life that becomes a well within us, but he is the bread of life, the bread of God who will never hunger again, will never be thirsty again. So God has revealed himself over and over again as a good God that not only supplies us good things, but these things are only a temporary satisfaction. But above and beyond that, he offers us himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And so if God is good, he offers us good things and he most of all offers us himself. We don't have to look elsewhere. And yet, how often, even though we know God is good, we look for satisfaction to our deepest needs and longings and other things that the world try to provide us. But we fail to embrace this truth of God that God is good and there's no need to look elsewhere for satisfaction. So sometimes we look to entertainment to fill our emptiness. Or we look to other people for acceptance and approval. Sometimes we think having more money or going on a long-awaited holiday would satisfy. Or having a better job, corner office, a nicer home. And it's not that these things are wrong in and of themselves. So sometimes we go on and start looking at things, you know, well, gee, if I, things that we shouldn't, such as drugs and other things like that, but, you know, even these normal things like nice food, a nice home, we have a longing for these things, but they are not the answer. They will not ultimately satisfy. They will eventually Yes, they temporarily satisfy, but they do not provide lasting contentment. So we need to remember these words from Jesus. Whoever drinks this water, whoever drinks the things of this world, even the good gifts that I give, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water, I give them myself, Christ, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water willing up to eternal life. We, when we accept Christ, the Spirit of God comes and lives in us and provides the satisfaction. So what are we looking to to satisfy our thirst? Are we looking to material possessions, experiences, or human relationships to satisfy our needs? Or are we looking to Jesus? 
Do we truly believe in God's goodness? We need to hear again and again Jesus' words and know that he truly satisfies. God is good. He never disappoints. He never leaves us discouraged. God is good. So we don't have to look elsewhere. Now let us join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. Almighty God, we come into your presence today thankful that you are a good God. Thank you that you do provide good earthly blessings, food, clothing, homes to live in, families to have. We thank you for the earthly satisfaction they provide, but we thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us just with that, but that you have sent your Son Jesus Christ, to come into our hearts, come into our lives as we put our trust in him by faith that we might receive your peace, your satisfaction, that you would live within our lives and we don't have to look elsewhere for the things that will make us content. We ask you today to help us to look to you and not look to other things. We come before you today and ask you to be with those who are sick and bring healing to them. We pray, Lord, that you be with those who are grieving and comfort them. We pray for our leaders and ask you to give them wisdom and guidance in the decisions they make that regard that uh, determine our ourselves as a people, as a nation. We thank you that you do hear and answer our prayers. We offer them up to you in Jesus' name. And we join together in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have been blessed and God has been glorified. May you have a God-blessed week. We look forward to you joining us again next Sunday and invite your friends to listen.